Well, there are technical possibilities these days that weren't around before, so we're grateful for that. But also, I tend to ask for prayer and optional fasting while we play this, because the audio and slides, they, they get uh, off each other and then get back accommodated by themselves or sometimes with a little help. So, thank you for playing that and uh, two things I wanted to comment on, because at the latter end there were two pictures with uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, and the one was taken in the year 99 and the other in 2017. Yeah, so that's almost 20 years later. Emmanuel was one of six children who showed up the first day when we went to live in our house after getting married, and I had the windows open from my study, and those six children came from the house next door and stood at the window. And they would never go away any anymore. And we worked with them. We opened a, a children's Bible study every week at our house back then. And almost 20 years later, I was in a little town uh, where we go for one of the weekly home studies, or bi-weekly, that one is, and someone stops and says, hey, did you once live in Carmelo? Yes, I said, well, I'm Emmanuel. So it turns out there is someone who uh, remembers us and is also still open to listen to the word of God. And so sometimes God does give us a little window where we can see something visible, some impact that somebody confesses to have received. And it's encouraging, especially when things do not usually go as fast. There are different ways of expressing it. One missionary for whom I, um, I think I, I wrote the script uh, with the things that he had in mind, and he put, well, the Lord grows the church at his own pace. Yes, that's true. And his pace is different for, in one place from what it is in, a, in another place. So there is no need or no sense in making comparisons or calling us on or off because our efforts only led to such and such results. Um, no, that's not what I have on, on the heart. But yes, as I mentioned in the presentation, there is a certain uh, peril of discouragement, and we're glad to be able to also encourage other servants there who are in the same situation in the same rest of the country because it's Montevideo, half the population, and all the rest of the country, as big as all of Florida, for just one and a half million people. And you can imagine that there are... Uh, many struggling smaller congregations. So it's been rewarding to make another start in Uruguay, and uh, we are committed to uh, continuing. So now, as we speak about this, uh, I want to be, of course, on a positive note, just like uh, was the case yesterday, both uh, with both of our messages, uh, on a note of encouragement, because we know that the Lord knows exactly what he does, and also he knows exactly what we are going to do or not going to do. So let me take that as an introduction to take a look uh, at three points on uh, the life of Peter. Would you do that with me in uh, Luke chapter 22? Is there any more light? Andrés, puede haber un poquito más de luz aquí? So we had... Considered how the Lord backs up those who serve him, those whom he has appointed in leadership positions and to help make impacts on, on the world around. 
he backs them up even in the midst of discouragement or even of uh, satanic resistance. And with Peter, we of course we know that there was one really deep fall, a, a ditch, a, a real uh, hard fall that he experienced when he denied the Lord three times. And I remember that as a young Christian, let me give you that as just one little spark of a personal testimony, I, I had uh, somewhat of, of a fall in my early Christian time. And I remember the brother to whom I, I confessed what had happened. He said, okay, now after the falling comes the getting up. <laughs> so it sounds too simple, but that's the simple truth. I sometimes love watching children. They fall often, don't they? But most of the time, they don't get hurt. They get up straightway, don't even look back, maybe a little cleaning of hands, and off they go, and they keep going. It turns out as we get older, we're not supposed to fall as often, but when we do, it hurts more, takes more to get up again, and maybe even more to keep going after the fact. So, well, Peter, we don't know exactly what age he was, but it must have been around the age that I was back then, somewhere around 30, so he has one of these conversations here. Actually, it is the Lord who initiates it, and it's in Luke 22. This is right before it will actually happen. And the Lord Jesus says some very significant words here. Luke 22, verse 31. Now, we'll just go straight into this conversation. We know this is pretty close to the Lord's passion, close to the... Gethsemane experience, of which Peter would be a part as well. And here the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that they, <coughs> that he may sift you as wheat. Now where it says you here in English, it would be a Texan, you all. It is talking to uh, Peter, but uh, talking about him and the other disciples. But in the next verse, he will address Peter particularly, saying, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So from here, it seems to me that the Lord shows us that not only does he know everything that happened in the past and will happen in the future. That's pretty plain. But also, he's concerned, he cares about what happens with us, even if it's something as drastical as what was ahead of Peter at this point. And also, as we will see, he will still provide future ministry after the fact. So for any of us who at any time have experienced, it doesn't even have to be a personal uh, is a personal case of sin, like we could argue here was the case with Peter. It could simply be some adverse situation that came upon us during the years of ministry. I've heard many of them. We've lived at least through one of them. And it can be really difficult, particularly if you're serving the Lord, if you've made such a decision, or you have become a leader, you have become uh, someone who has amplified his commitment with the Lord, you're very likely to be a personality that takes things in a personal way and might suffer more about any misrepresentation, any disrespectful attitude, any 
uh, lie about you or anything that that could happen. Those things they could they can actually happen. We we must not deny that. But the good news is that after the fall or after the adversity, there is a getting up, there is a coming back, a continuing of the service. And that is actually, as I have observed while listening to personal testimonies and trying to offer some some sound biblical counseling, the recovery from adversity is a very important factor in the life of anyone who serves the Lord. So we'd better get to that soon. And we want to take Peter for this afternoon and observe how, how he came back and who actually knew everything about it. Of course, it was the Lord, as we have read right now. He said, after, this is verse uh, 32, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So there was going to be a, a turning away from him. And this word return, that's, that's a key word in the Old Testament, and it's also used in the New. In fact, Peter himself was going to use it as well in, in one of his first uh, uh, well, messages. And interestingly, by the way, when you read Acts 2, Peter's first powerful sermon, it only takes a few minutes. I don't believe it gives us everything he said here, but if it is everything, then it is outright, uh, it's off the charts what, what the Lord accomplished through such a short speech. Have you considered that? Now, at this point, the Lord is, is giving him a heads up about something going to happen. I don't think Peter had any idea that this was going to uh, be what he, what he would do. But then he does it. He denies the Lord three times. And the Lord knew everything about that. And what he tells him here at the last, strengthen your brethren, this order, well, that will not be for someone who is now discarded because you denied me, you have no more business confessing my name, proclaiming my word or anything. No, he actually gave him the, the order for continued ministry even before he knew that he would deny his Lord three times. That I find outstanding, and uh, it is, to me, a manifestation of the Lord's, not only his uh, omniscience. We know that he knows everything. God isn't learning anything. He doesn't have to regroup because of anything that we do or that anybody in the world does. He knew that, and he also ha had prayed for Peter as he conveyed to him here. I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now, Peter would need some faith after that deep-going look that he received from the Lord after denying him. And it was enough to make him weep bitterly. And then everything that had to happen, because the Lord announced it three times to them explicitly, and after all that happened, we have what we could call the epilogue, the, the final chapter of the Gospel of John. And I like to read that chapter when we make a visit, and I think somebody might be discouraged, because it is a chapter that begins with people who seem to be discouraged, because Peter said, I'm going fishing. Fishing what? Because the Lord had told him he was going to be him and others. They were going to be fishers of men. Well, he was going back to fish for the same as before. 
And interestingly, it went bad again, and it took the Lord's visitation, it took the Lord's presence again to show what he can do with those that he has appointed. So John 21 also contains this conversation where, for those who want to uh, argue for a clean distinction of meanings between one and the other word for to love, well, this is the only passage upon which you could try to build that case, uh, but we, well, that's not going to be our focus today. The focus is first in the fact that Peter endeavors to go back to what he knew from before. It fails, although he would be one who, who knew how to fish, but, but it, it didn't work. The Lord comes on the scene. Peter acknowledges, he recognizes him, and when then they have... Uh, they enjoy the Lord's providential provision together. He already has something ready for them. So, uh, so much for the fishing. The Lord can take care of that as well. If if one of us should get tempted to get busy again in things other than the service to which we were called, let us be assured that the Lord will provide. There are many testimonies to that effect. And if I wind back those almost 25 years that I've been in ministry now, I started out with one certain budget as a single person uh, living in a Bible institute, uh, having a really low budget to cover, and the Lord did that. Now things have become very different. Uh, you might not know how expensive things are in Uruguay. You drive up to the gas station, you say, oh, don't fill her up, just put $100. Speaking literally, have you ever put $100 into? Well, thank the Lord for it. For the new energy dominance, th- those things, uh, th- they can change your your daily uh, budget, but the Lord knew all of that, not only 25, but 2,500 or 25,000 years ago. He, he has always cared for us, and you will not hear anything else, I'm sure, of uh, any missionary. Sometimes things may look uh, grim, but there are exercises of faith to be, to be taken. And so here comes this conversation where the Lord would ask Peter three times, do you love me? And these three times, Peter has to answer, although the third time, is somewhat uh, reluctantly, he's, he's a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit discouraged at that point to get asked the third time. And yes, I think there is a parallelism between the three denials and these three times of, of being questions about his love to the Lord, because that was what it was going to take for him to spend the rest of his life the way he did. Now here, this is verses 15 through 18. Let us uh, read that together. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. Sure enough. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I don't think Peter had any short-term memory issues, although it might sound like that. The Lord told him three times, 
to take care of his flock. And his goes with capital letter. And, and let us keep that in mind. It's also a relief for us. Because I've heard pastors of congregations talking about, well, my sheep and your sheep and these. Well, whose sheep are they? They're always and only the Lord's sheep. So if anybody of us serves as, as an elder or serves as deacon and, and is um, tending to the Lord's sheep, well, that's who they are, the Lord's sheep. And guess who else is a Lord's sheep? That's you and me as well. Be we uh, what we may in our function in the assembly, uh, us leaders, we are also the Lord's sheep. And, and we need moments like this one that the Lord had with Peter. And so it becomes clear that there is further ministry. This is here a recovered, a reinstated disciple, Peter, who will now be one of the apostles uh, who lay the foundation for Christ's church. And it is interesting that in Acts 15, we read the very last time of Peter. Between there, and, and that's only just around the year 45, until some 20 years later, when we read his second letter, there isn't anything that we know uh, that, that he did. And, and yet, we do know that these first years, until then, all this uh, this time before the Gentile missions began, Peter was not a leader. He was the leader of Christ's church. There are many things that uh, show it. Uh, one of them is his, his uh, speech, his preaching in Acts chapter 2. And he will not hesitate to pinch the Jews and point out to them, well, you crucified him. The Lord made him, God made him Lord and uh, let me read it here. I'm not, I'm not good at uh, quoting. So, uh, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. You see, uh, that coincides with what was said at the very beginning when, the, when, when Jesus was born. Yeah, there are several, uh, several of his proper names of his, of his uh, titles, they are included in the announcement of his birth. And it's marvelous to see a Savior, Christ, the Lord. Yeah, God made him Christ the Lord, but you crucified him, he said to them. And yeah, something similar cost Stephen his life five chapters later. And then uh, James, uh, one of the one more of those three who had these special moments where only they, Peter, James, and John, were, uh, were with the Lord. There was the, uh, there was the resuscitation of, of Jairus' daughter. There was the transfiguration. There was the Gethsemane experience. And only those three were there. And they had vastly different lives. See, John uh, grew, to be old, grew to be old over, over 90 and he was apparently a, a reasonable, a, a moderate man, but determined to serve and, and uh, to speak up. And he gives us some really sharp and simple uh, distinctives of who is a child of God and who is not. James would be the next martyr of, of whom we read in chapter 12. Well, just because the king wants to be popular with his folk, he well, that, that cost James his life. And Peter is the one who has certainly the most extreme experiences, such as this moment where he denies the Lord. And 
also in his impulsive reactions, at least uh, until this time when the Holy Spirit had already come down, the church had begun, uh, well, Peter distinguishes himself uh, by that impulsive character. And I think the Lord also vastly used that because he had to stand up and speak like he did here. Now, if, if you follow through the book of Acts, he is everywhere until chapter 12, where he's uh, again in prison. Chapter 5, he's in prison. And even in chapter 15, at the Jerusalem Council, he still has something to say. He will be heard until, uh, actually, uh, James, the Lord's half-brother, uh, shows to be the one who is then uh, the uh, leader at Jerusalem. And then, at that time, the Gentile mission had already begun. And then we hear all the more about the Apostle Paul. Well, both of these men, Paul and Peter, they left us a letter in expectancy of their martyrdom. Paul wrote to Timothy the second time, and Peter wrote his second letter. Let us open there in Second Peter uh, to see, and this is after a long time where we, we don't get to read just what all Peter was doing, but we can rest assured that he kept on exercising uh, and and working in an important way for the further furtherance of the Lord's kingdom. And I want to go back to that expression where Jesus said, strengthen the brethren. You see, this, this strengthening is something that can take place on different uh, planes. It can take place between God and us. He can strengthen us, and, and, and there are biblical uh, instances of that. Uh, also, we can strengthen... Uh, one another, we can fortify one another. Or the Lord Jesus, he strengthened, he straightened his face, as it said, to go to Jerusalem. He straightened himself out for that. And so there is something very important here. I just want to read one verse here before we read in Second Peter. Uh, that also illustrates the the significance of that expression, strengthen your brethren. Uh, For example, James is is going to say, well, actually much earlier he had written, establish your hearts, strengthen your hearts. We can do that ourselves as well. Now, Peter, he was in the business of strengthening brethren. I want to argue that he did exactly what the Lord had in charge him of. And he did so certainly by stepping up to the plate just right at the day of Pentecost and to pronounce such a speech that it would please the Lord not only to save about 3,000 but also to give us the accountancy of that. You see, there's only very few moments where it pleased the Holy Spirit to give us any figures. Well, that day, there were some figures that we can read. Be encouraged, brethren. You may not see or you may not certainly will not know how many uh, get saved because you say or do something but keep saying and doing it because that's what the Lord put us in charge of, not of counting people. And here the Holy Spirit, uh, for once, he, he gives us a report, some 3,000 in less than three minutes, if that's all he said. But now in Second Peter, we have a man who is getting ready because he says in verse 14 of Second Peter, chapter 1, that he is knowing that shortly I must... Uh, put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. 
And yes, there was an allusion to that, and, and uh, they would take him to where he didn't want to go. He knew it. His time was running out. So rather than taking care of any other business, what he writes here, right off in the first chapter, is basically you, you could summarize it by saying, live and show Christian virtues so that the Lord's kingdom would still be advanced. And by the way, it would also go well with you. Because in verse uh, 9 it says, For he lacks these things, is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be more, even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So serving and growing, those are sure recipes to for preventing us from stumbling. And, and if the case may be that you stumble or you have stumbled, be assured that the Lord has all the means to restore you, to get you back on the track, but it's not going to be with lamentations or with limitations. You, you keep on going just like that little child gets up, keeps going, doesn't even look back. Peter admonishes, but he also strengthens the brethren to whom he's writing here by prompting them, by urging them, to do these things, uh, starting in verse 5, and, and basically there is also this message of, well, don't be happy with how far you got. You have to strive to carry on. Thessalonians were famous for expressions of love. Well, keep on growing in that love, he says. And here he says, but also for this very reason, uh, giving all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And well, what is the very reason? The, the, the reason is that we have received, and that is uh, something that commits us forever to the Lord and to the service. We have received even the faith through which we were saved. That's what we can read after the fact. After the fact, you find out God knew it all before, but didn't free you from your responsibility to respond in faith. But then you find out the faith, you also received it from him. So what is what else is there left for us to decide to do except serve him and keep on serving him? So that's the encouragement I want to share today. And... If there are any questions, please feel free to ask those in the time uh, hereafter about the ministry or anything that you would like to know. That's what we're here for. So and now I also look forward to hearing Brother Ken and sharing with the children. Uh, thank you. I say it really in a heartfelt way. Thank you for what you're doing from what Brother Calvin is sharing. Uh, you're really uh, at the front line and you're supporting uh, those who are there even far away from here. So thank you for that. God bless you.